Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Did you know that when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you experience a spiritual rebirth? The Holy Spirit becomes one with you in spirit and gives you spiritual life in Jesus Christ that can never die or perish. Let's open our Bibles now to 1 Peter 1 and look at these incredible principles in the living Word of God. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It is a Wednesday here in Texas. Hopefully everyone is is doing well and loving Jesus. Today, um, we are going to be finishing 1 Peter chapter 1. This will be, I believe it's the eighth teaching and we will have covered every verse in the chapter. And the plan as of right now is to continue in the chapter 2. And so, uh, and, and maybe... The Lord will have us go through the whole book. Uh, we're seeking the Lord for that and just seeing where he's going. But uh, uh, there will be eight teachings that will take you all the way through the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 and just discussing every teaching verse by verse. So today we're finishing up with verses 22, 23, 24, and 25. And uh, they're very, very interesting verses. And so we're going to go ahead and pray, and uh, we're going to invite the Lord into it, and um, we'll go ahead and read them and get rolling. So, Father, we do thank you for the living Word of God. We thank you that we have a Bible, Lord. I thank you for this technology, Lord, where uh, I can read my Bible on my iPad, and I can make highlights, Lord, and I can I can hold the Scripture on this device. I thank you for my paper Bible, Father. I thank you for my physical Bible, Lord, too, Lord, where I just love that. So. Father, we just thank you that the Bible now can be put in in all sorts of different mediums, Father, where, uh, you know, where we can just get the scriptures, Lord, in our physical Bible, or we can look them up online, or we can get them on our phone or on our our uh, our iPads or whatever electronic devices we have, laptops and such. So, Father, we just thank you for the scripture, Father. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness on our lives, and we just love you, Lord. And we bless you and we praise you, Lord. We thank you for your mercy, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the scriptures. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Verses 22 through 25, 1 Peter chapter 1, finishing the chapter. Verse 22, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Verse 22, Corinne. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, 
love one another deeply from the heart. We say this over and over. When you study the scripture, you want to you wanna read it slowly. You want to break it apart, David. You want to chew on it. You want to meditate on it. You just, you just want to bask in it. You want to let it just wash over you as you, as you meditate on it, Scott. Um, and you want to see what it has, you know, uh, for you in there. You want to first derive the meaning of the scripture. You know, what did Peter mean when he said this? Because all it means is what Peter meant it to mean to the audience that he wrote it. And that's what it means to us as well. What I'm saying is the scripture has only one meaning. It can have unlimited application to our lives, depending on where we are and the things that are going on in our life. But it only means what it says. I've said this over and over and over and over. It is our job to make our lives and beliefs fit the Bible. We don't twist the Bible all around to try to make it fit what we want to believe and how we want to live, right? We have to take it as it is, read it, study it, meditate it, meditate on it, and then and then adjust our lives to everything that it says regarding what we think, what we believe, and how we live. And you do that by just reading it and studying it and breaking it down slowly, patiently, and deliberately. So here we are, verse 22. What's he mean now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth? What does that mean? Well, the Bible says that we are sinful people. I've said this over and over that the Bible very clearly says, Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and that we need to be forgiven of our sins. Now, the only way this happens is by trusting and relying on Jesus Christ, asking him to come in and be the Lord of our life, asking him to save us from our sin and trusting him to do it, calling out to him. Um, Romans 10.13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I ask this almost every time. Have you called on Jesus and asked him to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life and proclaimed, have you proclaimed to him that you're trusting and relying on him alone to be your only Lord and Savior and Master and King and God? If you haven't, do that now. Just call out to him in prayer. Just say, Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinful man or woman. I know that I've done wrong, but I believe that you came and lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And I believe that you're alive and risen. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I call out to you now and ask you to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. I place all my faith and trust and hope and reliance on you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's how you get to verse 22. The people that Peter is speaking to have come to receive Jesus, and in Jesus, you're purified. You stand righteous before God the Father in Christ. You're actually pure. Now, in our lives as believers, we still struggle with sin. We still do wrong things, and we need to repent when we do. But when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all of your sin, past, present, and future, is credited to Christ at the cross and the perfect righteous life 
that Jesus lived when he walked the earth is credited to you. It's kind of incredible, right, Corinne? That exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel. All of my sin and disobedience in exchange for his perfect, righteous life. It's like the most incredible thing ever considered, right? That's quite a deal for us, isn't it? Jesus takes all of my gross and nasty and disgusting and in exchange gives me his perfect, loving, righteous, sinless life. It's not something C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis said, it's not, it's not something that would ever come up in the mind of man. Right, David? I, uh, my, my cousin's husband, I have a, a wonderful cousin named Corinne, who's just been the most incredible, loving relative a man could ask for. And uh, she's married to a good guy named David, and he's, a, he's a, a, an accomplished author. Um, and, um, you know, where it says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, right? Um, what it's talking about, Dave, right, is most of us, when we, when we, when we read the Bible, we, we look at it as if, to believe in Jesus or to trust in Jesus is a request. But nowhere in the scriptures is believing in Jesus or trusting in Jesus a request of the Bible. It's actually a command of the scriptures. Okay? So to trust in Jesus Christ is commanded by God. To believe in Jesus Christ is a command from our Father. So when it says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, what it's saying is that by believing in Jesus, by trusting in Jesus, and by calling on Jesus and asking him to come into your heart and to be the Lord of your life, By obeying that command to believe in Jesus, you've become pure and sinless in the sight of God the Father. Now, does that not sound amazing? That when God the Father looks at you, he sees you covered in the blood of Christ, and all he can see is that you lived that same perfect righteous life that Jesus did. I lost my train of thought there for a minute, Dave, when I was... What I was meaning to talk about is when C.S. Lewis said that this is not something that ever would have come up in the mind of man. Uh, again, my my cousin-in-law, would you call it, David, is a is 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 a is a is a, uh, is a solid author in himself who's written who's written several books. Um, and when you've read thousands and thousands and thousands of books, as C.S. Lewis did. Um, he talks about in mere Christianity how how you come to to get a sense of something that is that comes from the mind of man and things that that are not made up. And what C.S. Lewis had concluded after 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 putting in tens of thousands of hours into this is that only in biblical Christianity did he find a true religion 
that was not man-made. He could sense in every other religion in the world this, this feel, this stamp that it came from the mind of man. But this exchange, which is the heart of the gospel, the exchange of the perfect righteous life of Jesus Christ credited to us and all of our sin and disobedience, past, present, and future credited to Jesus, that exchange, which is the heart of the Christian gospel, C.S. Lewis said it's not something the mind of man ever would have concocted. And if you recall, um, C.S. Lewis was a genius atheist, one of the greatest literary minds, some say the, the most influential author of the 20th century. Um, and so uh, my, uh, my cousin-in-law, David, has studied a lot of, a lot of books, obviously, and, uh, and that's something that, um, that I believe he's come to see as well, that that it's just not something man would have made up. And what's interesting is for the vast majority of us that are really smart, like my, my cousin and C.S. Lewis, I mean, I've come to, to believe in Jesus by faith, right? I believe the word of God by faith. Um, and it all makes sense to me. And, and that's by the grace and mercy of my God and father, right? Um, but C.S. Lewis reasoned himself that he went from an atheist to going into a massive time of study to then reasoning to the fact that there really has to be a God. And then there was a, a period of time where he, where he again studied thousands of books and different materials and came to the conclusion that biblical Christianity is the only reasonable um, solution to all of it. Um, and so C.S. Lewis became a Christian and went on to become one of the most prolific Christian writers in history. And, and he is my favorite author as well. So in verse 22, when it says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, you obeyed the truth when you believed in Jesus Christ and called out to him to be the Lord of your life. When you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you obeyed the truth, which is to say, you believed in Jesus Christ, which the Bible commanded to do. You were obedient in that command to believe in Jesus, to trust in him, to call out to him. And in that, you were purified from all your sins in the sight of God. Remember, God does not live in time. So when he sees you and he sees me in Jesus, he actually sees us as sinless as Christ. It's incredible, right? He goes on to say, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. One of the, the consequences of becoming a genuine believer in Jesus Christ is that you actually can have sincere love for, for others, for your brothers and sisters in Christ, and even those who are, are not. You can actually have sincere love. Without Jesus Christ, without a relationship with Jesus Christ, the best love that we can ever have, Scott, is just the, an, er, an earthly, worldly, biological love. That's what the Bible teaches, y'all. What Peter is saying is that, again, look at, look at the words. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth 
so that you have sincere love for your brothers. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you obey the command of the scriptures to believe in Jesus, to trust in Jesus, which is not optional, you become purified of your sin. And in that place, you are now capable of having sincere love from a, a Christ-centered perspective. Okay, And in that, he finishes it by saying, love one another deeply from the heart. So now that we've given our lives to Christ and we have the capacity to love in Christ in not only a worldly and biological way, but actually in a godly and Christ-centered way, we're commanded to love one another deeply from our heart. Okay, Sometimes we love one another, but it's not deep and it's sure not from the heart. Right. We may love people with words, but we don't love them with a true heartfelt love as often as we should. Right. Like Corinne. So verse 23 says, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So, again, this this word, what's it mean to be born again? This is not talking about a physical birth. I remember I be, before I became a Christian, I thought this was kind of like a quirky or these weirdos who were talking about being born again. To be born again simply means to be born spiritually, right? We come into this world when, we, when we're born into the world, when we come out of our mother's womb, we're naturally alive. Obviously, we're naturally alive at conception. But when we exit the womb at what we call birth, we're naturally al alive, but our spirit is dead to God because of, of, a, of a sinful nature that's been given us through our Father. So we enter the world physically and naturally alive, but our spirit is dead to God. Now, the Bible is clear that God is spirit. The Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all spiritual beings. Okay, Jesus Christ became a human man. Okay, and took on a natural body, but God the Son, the Son of God, is also spirit, right? And so to have relationship with the triune God, we too have to be spiritually alive beings. Now, again, the problem with that is we enter the world with a nature of sin, a nature to want our own way, and we can see it everywhere. I've told the story about my twin daughters, Kristen and Lauren, at one year old, okay? Lauren and her would have Lauren and Kristen would have the same toy. One year old now. I bought them the same toy and they're both playing with it. But then Lauren gets something in her mind, y'all, right? And she crawls across the room and takes Kristen's toy, mind you, the same as hers, and carries it back to her toy. So now she has two of the same toy. Kristen has none. Kristen, of course, is bawling crying because Lauren's taking away her toy. Lauren is happy as can be that she got two of them. Okay. Why were they like this? I did not teach her to be like this. I promise you. I never said, Lauren, be disobedient to daddy. I never said, Lauren, this is what I want you to do. I'm going to give you and Kristen the same toy, but I want you to go and take your, your sisters so she has none. And so you have both. And I want you to learn to be greedy and selfish like that. No one had to teach her to do that. I've said before, um, many psychologists have said, I don't know where, where they where they learned this. But generally, a child's first word is no, right? Not mommy, not daddy, no, because they want their own way. And as human beings, we can see it in myself today. I like my own way, y'all. I like what I like when I like it. 
And that is a, a nature of sin. Now, we enter this world with a spirit that's dead to God because of that. But when you trust in Jesus Christ, when you obey the command to believe in Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, comes and lives in you, joins his spirit, the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, becomes one with your dead spirit. And in that, in that moment, there's this explosion of life. And you're born again spiritually. You're made spiritually alive. And you start having this desire to actually have a relationship with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who themselves are three independent spiritual God beings, right? They're all God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? They're all God. And they are three separate beings who... who who work together, who did work together in this work of redemption and who still work together in, in all that, that it means to have a relationship with the triune God. And so when he says for you have been born again, it simply means you've been born again spiritually. You were born once naturally and now in Christ you become spiritually alive. So you've had a spiritual rebirth. Okay. So it's not some hokey pokey jokey dokey thing, right? It's not some honky donkey thing, right? It's a real serious spiritual rebirth that happens when you receive Jesus Christ. And Peter says, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed. It hasn't, it's not, your, your spiritual rebirth didn't have anything to do with the things of this world that perish. Everything in this world perishes. I've said before, you've heard the old saying that you never see a moving truck driving behind a hearse because you can't take it with you. No matter what that person had in this world, it doesn't go with them, right? Peter says, your spiritual rebirth was not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. When you've been reborn spiritually, that cannot be taken away from you, okay? It cannot perish. That spiritual rebirth is eternal. It's immortal. It's everlasting. I mean, those are some powerful words, right, Scott? Wow. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Your spirit cannot perish. Your body one day will die, as will mine, unless Jesus comes, and I hope he comes before we're done recording this. But your spirit will never perish. When you leave this earth, if you're in Jesus, your alive spirit will immediately be taken into the presence of God in heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It cannot perish. Look at this verse. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God, your Bible, the very word of God. Jesus is called the living word. In the gospel of John, Chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning that that word is referring to Jesus. So it is through the living and enduring word of God, this very Bible. OK, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the word of God, which is in the Bible. The gospel is the good news of all that Jesus has done for us and all that we desperately needed as sinners is the word of God. And we are sustained by the living word of God, right? Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. 
Golly. Verse 24. For all men are like grass. And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever. And so now he's backing up verse 23, right? Verse 23, he said, we were not born of, 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 of perishable seed, but of imperishable. We cannot perish in spirit, right? Through the word of God. And then he, he says, for all men are like grass and all their glory are like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. We get old, right? Our bodies wither. Um, we begin to fall apart. We have problems, right? Just like the grass of the field is perishable, we are perishable. But look what it says. But the word of the Lord stands forever. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior, if you've called on him, as we said earlier, how you want to call on him and ask him to come into your heart, uh, that prayer is a good model for you to use. Uh, it's not the words that are important, but that you mean them. That when you call on Jesus and ask him to be the Lord of your life, that you mean it. And it says here that the word of the Lord stands forever, verse 25, okay? It'll be there forever. It will never change. The truth of your Bible will never change. The truth of Jesus Christ being the our only hope for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul will never change. Verse 25, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. This was what was preached to all the people in Peter's day. And this is what we need to be preaching today is the living word of God. That's what we do at Kingdom Discipleship. That's all we ever try to do at Kingdom Discipleship is to teach the word of God and make disciples of Jesus Christ based on the word of God and the son of God, the son of God and the word of God. Right, Peyton? So. Man, I tell you, it's uh, it's been a good chapter, hasn't it? Just this uh, this book has been a good chapter. Um, you know, thank you guys for all the feedback that's come and in, uh, in it, and those who really enjoyed it. Um, again, special shout out to my my cousins, uh, Corinne and David. I love y'all, and uh, and I appreciate you. And uh, man, let's uh, again. Uh, there are eight messages here in First Peter. Okay. And just see how we studied it, okay? We studied every verse, okay? In, in, the first, in, the, in, the, in the first one, we talked about all the different aspects of Peter. And then, you know, we went all the way through just breaking apart and studying and thinking about each verse. So, well, Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your mercy and your favor and your goodness on our lives. We just, uh, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the word of God, Lord Jesus. And Father, we do pray that now that we have been purified by obeying the command to trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, to call on him, to trust in him, to believe in him as our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Father, I ask you to help us that we would love one another deeply from the heart. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive us where our love is a surface love and where it's just a worldly love and where it's just a, um, a self-serving love. I ask you to help us to have a biblical and Christ-like love, Holy Spirit, more and more and more. Father, I thank you that we have been born again by your mercy spiritually 
I thank you that we're not only naturally alive, but spiritually alive, one with Jesus, married to Jesus. We're the bride of Christ. And I thank you that that's not a perishable thing. I thank you that although we may die physically, we will never die spiritually. We are eternally alive even now in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that the word of God sustains us. For we know, Lord, that we are like grass and that human beings come and go and the things of the world come and go, but that the word of our Lord Jesus Christ stands forever. Father, we love you. We bless you. And we thank you. We thank you for this book of First Peter. We thank you for this chapter. Go ahead of us today. Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us as we pray and as we walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.